You know, one of the things that I love about this God that we have spent our time worshiping, and by the way, thank you for doing that, entering into that time, because God is indeed worthy to be praised. But there's something about this God that is so wonderfully amazing, and that is that he wants to grant unto us wisdom. And see, you never get too old for wisdom. My dear friend, who we acknowledged a few moments ago, and I'm so glad that we did, uh, Jack, 95 years of age, um, to just know that even when you hit the wise old age of 95, you still need the wisdom of God in every age in between. And that's really, really important for us to consider. And so I want to talk to you about uh, that reality today is how do you and I get wisdom and what has God promised to us concerning that? And uh, I'll most likely mention this verse a little later in this message, but I want you to listen to it for just a moment. This is Proverbs, Proverbs 4.11, and this is what it says. It says, not on the screen, but we'll get into this with some other Proverbs. I'm guiding you in the way of wisdom. That's what God says. I am guiding you in the way of wisdom, and I'm leading you on the right path. I'm guiding you in the way of wisdom, and I'm leading you on the right path. Now, how many of you know wisdom from God is not automatic? How many of you realize that? And the problem is never with the sender. The problem is always with the receiver. See, God wants to make that kind of reality uh, available to us. And I really do believe that this is God's message to and purpose for every single person that is here this morning. You see, one of the incredible privileges that a Christ follower has, and if you've named Jesus as the Savior and the leader of your life, you've received him, you've received forgiveness of sin, then here's a promise that you have from God, that you have access to the divine and unmistakable guidance of God. You just think about that. You, you're, it's, it's not like you're left to your own devices. You are, you are promised from God that he will give you wisdom. He said, I'm going to guide you in the way of wisdom. In fact, I'm going to do more than guide you. I love this part of it. He says, I'm not only going to guide you, I'm actually going to lead you. I'm actually going to get out in front of you and show you the direction to go. Uh, I love it when I go into uh, like a retail store and I ask a question and, and, and you know, there's one of two responses based on the training that the employees have gone through. So you ask for an item and sometimes you receive this response. Oh yeah, we do carry that. And that is on aisle 114 at the other end of the store, all right? So you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm still going to have to look. How many of you like it so much more so when somebody says, yeah, we have it over on aisle eight, and I'm going to lead you. I'll show you. I'll take you over there and point out to you exactly what you, how many of you like the latter better than the former? Absolutely, you do. And, and we like this notion that God has promised to us saying, you know what? Hey, there's a path that I have established for your life, and I'm going to do more than just point you. I'm going to do more than just say, take that path. I will, if you will allow me to, I will actually lead you down that path uh, so that you can you know, realize my will for your life. So this is an incredible promise that we have from God. And this is a huge deal in our life because there's certainly going to be moments in our life, seasons in our life, when it's difficult at times to navigate the journey. I've always wished that God would lead me and uh, exactly in such a pronounced way as he did the Israelites out of Egypt. You know, pillar of fire by day, pillar of, fire, you know, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by, by night. But God doesn't lead in such visible uh, ways 
he's manifesting ways today, but there is such wisdom that God gives to us because he's given to us something those Israelites did not have, and that is the totality of Scripture. It is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that resides within us as followers of Jesus. Now, here's what the Scripture says, that he wants to guide us in the way of wisdom. I'll lead you. But the second part of that verse assures us that God is going to show us the direction to take And he's going to lay that out before us in such a way that when we come to what may otherwise have been a terribly confusing intersection of our life, it's like we're there. Like, God, show us what to do. Do you want me to go, you know, through door A or door B? Do you want me to take this? this path or that. God says, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead you. In fact, this is what I've always considered. I think it's true for you and for me in so many ways. The relevant question is really not, is God leading? That's not the question. Again, the problem is never with the sender. The problem is not, is God leading? The problem is, are we following? Are we listening? Are we obeying? Are we spending time in the scriptures? Are we finding those quiet moments when we can get along with God and we can be on the receiving end of those promptings and those nudgings and those leadings that God wants to provide us with? So with that said, I want to jump right into uh, a proverb here. We'll look at a couple, but Proverbs 30, and let's look together. This is uh, verses 7 through 9, uh, and let's look at it on the screen here together. Uh, Two things I ask of you, O Lord. This is what the wisdom writer is saying. I ask these two things. Do not refuse me before I die. I'm asking God, please don't tell me no. God, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, this is unique language. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Because we become independent. Like we have so much, we don't really need God. Or, the wisdom writer says, or I may become poor and still and so dishonor the name of my God. And we need to talk about that for just a couple of moments. The wisdom writer is telling us here are two things that all of us can and should ask God for. The first one being this, uh, the writer says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Keep falsehood and lies from me. In other words, God, help me to be a person of integrity. God, help me to be a person that is honest. Now, uh, who of us would not want this? I mean, you think about the, the reality of, of business dealings that you may have. How many of you, when you're conducting business with somebody, you would like to think that that person is being honest with you in those dealings? that you're being honest with them and that person is being honest with you. But we want that not just in the context of business dealings or decisions or contracts or whatever we may be engaged in. We also want it to be playing out in relationships that we have, whether it's friendships or people that we're even close to, our family members, that we want there to be honesty uh, built into the fabric of those relationships. Now, I've often thought this, how interesting it would be if every one of us, when we were born into this world as early as Eden, all those hers would be not operative yet, but as she got older, and then for the rest of us, ours was already developed, and that would be a built-in honesty meter that God had equipped us with. How many of you think that would be quite interesting? And, uh, you know, everybody has has this honesty meter, and... um, you know, any time somebody gets near 
anything that could smack of dishonesty or falsehood, then at the moment that that would happen, you know, lights would start flashing and bells would start ringing. Now, how many of you like the idea as long as that does not involve you? That, it, you know, other people have it, but you've disconnected yours. And, you know, wouldn't that be interesting? That would just make uh, things so much more honest. And, and, and you just think about it. Anytime you got anywhere near falsehood, again, these alarms would start going. Lights would start flashing. A student is asked by their parent, I see that you made a D in that particular class. Did you really give it your very best effort? Well, then that student would have to think for a moment, you know, if I say the wrong thing, lights, bells, whistles, so I better be truthful with my parents. How about this one? A wife asks her husband, how do you like my new haircut? And he knows, all right, if I don't tell or she asks him, hey, I've been thinking about making this new dish and now I made it tonight. How do you like it? Is it good? And that's never the question. All right, but guys, let me just help you in this regard. The question is never really that. Is it good? Did you like it? Here's where they get us. Would you like for me to make it again? <laughs> Bells, whistles, you know, you got to be prepared for that. Now, this one is a little bit more personal. Speaking of food, this one is a little more personal for me. A mom asked her son, what happened to that big pan of sliced roast beef and gravy? What happened to that? And my mom asked me that question. I, I, was, about, um, I was about 14 years of age. Uh, same height that I am now. I know it's hard to tell from where you're at. Six, three, it's hard from where you're seated. Same height, but I weighed 130 pounds, and I could not gain weight. I could not. I wanted to gain weight. I was involved in sports. I needed to gain more weight. I was 130 pounds. My metabolism was such, I could, I could eat anything I wanted, and just unfortunately, I could not gain any weight. Now, some of you are young enough, you're still like that right now. You can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You're young enough. Your metabolism, that furnace is always burning those calories and you can eat whatever and you never gain any weight. Now, let me just say something for you that I find great delight in. That's going to change for you one day. <laughs> and I'm very excited. I hope I'm around to see that play out for you. And so I was just, and so I, I don't even know the brand of it, but it was, it was for dinner. It may have been like Swanson's or whatever. I know there's different. And it was like the tin pan. How many of you know what I'm talking? The tin pan of a sliced roast beef and gravy. And some of you may not, I grew up in the Atlanta area and maybe they had it everywhere, but we had colonial bread and colonial bread also was better known as manna from heaven. It was just amazing. And if you take some of that sliced roast beef and that gravy and put it over that colonial bread. And so I came in from school. I was very hungry. I read the directions. Uh, again, I'm about 14 probably. And I pop it in the oven and I cook it. And I thought, I'm just going to eat some of this. And I ate some and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I looked down in the entire family dinner pan. Uh, and I, I didn't realize that that was supposed to be our dinner that night. Now, by this time, my mom had remarried. My parents had divorced uh, a couple of years prior to that. And um, I've got to tell you, when my stepdad walked in and he saw the whole family meal had been eaten after an afternoon snack, as an afternoon snack, that didn't really help us relationally. <laughs> we had to work through that a little bit. But mom's like, did you? Are you telling me you ate? And I'm like, 
I cannot tell a lie. I've been studying history, you know. I cannot tell a lie. I ate the entire, Jeff, I can't, but I did. I mean, how would you like it if any time you were going to get near anything that would be falsehood or dishonesty, whistles would go off? I ask you at the end of the service, hey, did you stay awake for the entire service? I know it's dark. I know the seats are high, and I know you get really comfortable. I may just try that, so you probably ought to stay awake for the remainder of the service. Don't want your bells and whistles to go off. I like what Lee Strobel has written. Unchurched people aren't looking for perfection in Christians, just honesty. They don't want us to pretend. They don't want them to pretend, unchurched people don't in regards to Christians, that their lives are problem-free. They merely want an admission that they struggle too. It's when unchurched people, listen to this now, see a collection of Christians hiding behind the facade of perfection that they begin to smell a cover-up. So, Keep falsehood. The wisdom writer is just saying this to God. God, keep falsehood. Keep lies far from me. I, I don't want to enter into that. I don't, I don't want to be a part of anything that is dishonest. How am I going to be a totally honest person? Now, let's go back to the second portion of Proverbs 3 that we looked at a moment ago and listen to how this, this section reads. Give me, it's that interesting sentence I, I mentioned to you, pointed out to you. Give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread. Now, I realize that at first glance, that this may not seem like such a wise saying or a way to live our life, but it actually is. So much so that when Jesus is instructing his followers on how to pray, he taught them to call out to God, his father, this way with this request. And we've looked at it not too long ago, so I'll just hit it quickly. Take a look at it up on the screen. The guys are going to put it up there. This is Jesus in Luke eleven three, And this is what he said. When you pray, when you talk to God, you pray in this manner. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, Let's take a time out right now, and let's just talk about that for just a moment, because a lot of times we have misconceptions concerning this. We think, well, you know what? I think I would have a lot more peace and a lot more joy if I could just win the lottery. You know, if all of a sudden I just had this infusion of cash, if, uh, you know, um, that's going to give me ultimate peace and, and joy like forever. If, if I could just win the lottery. And, you know, I have that thought, but it's hard for me to win the lottery when I don't play the lottery. So I guess my chances are even worse off than those who play it. So, uh, or you know what, if I could just be a part of a windfall of a great inheritance, then that alone is going to make me happy. It's going to draw me closer to God. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be near God. I'm going to connect with God greater. I'm going to have a lot more peace, a lot more joy in my life. But the fact of the matter is, this is proven not to be true over time. There's a certain thing that happens, and I think that this is uh, along the lines, it's a, it's, a, it's a current reality, but it goes all the way back hundreds of years ago to when the wisdom writer is talking about this. And, and here's a problem that a lot of times people run into that they bump up into when they have a lot of resources, and there's nothing wrong with having lots of resources. I pray that God would bless you. I pray that God would just pour out his abundant generosity upon your life. But in the process of that, you've got to understand that a lot of times when that happens to people, you know what happens to them spiritually? They become somewhat aloof from God. 
They act in ways that are independent of God. They start feeling a little bit of invincibility, like, I don't really need God anymore. You know, I got, I got all this stuff, and, you know, I don't have to pray as urgent prayers, and, I don't, you know, I don't have to trust God, and I don't have to have as much faith because I've got everything that I need. Nothing wrong with having lots of stuff. There's nothing wrong. I pray that your net worth goes up and increases exponentially over time, but you've got to realize that there's a danger involved that in the process of that, you don't feel that you don't need God anymore. Or why do I have to trust God because all of my needs are met? Jesus said, pray in this manner, give us each day our daily bread. You see, over time it's been proven, those are not generally the times that we draw closest to God. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, I'd like to just experience to find out if it's true or not. But a lot of times when we draw near to God, it's when we're in the middle of a struggle. Maybe we've got some pain going on in our life, a season of turmoil. And I believe that for most of us, it's during those times that we grow most because it's in those moments that we cry out to God more than we typically do. How desperately do we find ourselves needing God and how wise it is to just say, God, here's what I want to do. I want to do life your way, not my way. I need your guidance today. I need your provision today. I need daily bread today. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to show me what path that I need to take in my life. And there's this utter dependency upon God because now we're not in a position of self-reliance. I want you to look at another proverb that is tethered to this. This is in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And, and this is, what, again, the wisdom writer. And this is what he says. He says, with all your heart, you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let him lead you. And again, it's going back to what we saw earlier. Always let him lead you, and he will clear the road for you to follow. And I like that idea. God's not only going to, uh, you know, lead the way, he's going to clear out the path. I, I love this verse in Scripture, and I pray it so often for my life and for my family. God, would you just go before us and make all the crooked paths straight? Would you just go before us in whatever kind of debris that would distract us or take us off course from your purpose and will for our life? Would you just clear that out? And, and we can pray that because that is biblical. Let him lead you, and he's going to clear the road out for you to follow. And then I start wondering, when we have all of these great promises of God, all of us have these great promises from God, then why don't we trust God more? You ever struggle with this? Do you ever have moments in your life where you're just not trusting God the way that you need to trust God? I know I struggle with that. And, and just think about it. And I'll get really, really practical here. How many of you know there are some times in our lives when we trust our car more than we trust God? I'll give you a case in point. When you got in your car this morning to come to church and, and you put the key in the ignition and you turned it over, you had absolute faith that that car was going to start. You believed that. You were trusting your car. You were trusting that that was going to happen. All right? So here's another reality. You have trust that the next time that you check your online banking, that uh, somehow between now and the last time you checked it, your funds have not gone down an electronic drain somewhere in the middle of the night. And you have faith to believe that what is supposed to be there is going to be there. We trust that every Sunday when we show up for church, there will be, and this is a really exciting thing for many of you, that there will be donuts. You have faith. You don't pray, God, let there be donuts. You believe that there's going to be donuts. You're trusting what you have prayed about 
about is that somebody has prayed over them and has cast out every calorie from those donuts in Jesus' name. That's what you pray. But we, tr- we trust these things. And isn't it amazing with us? And, and we know and we love God. But consider this, this reality for a moment. You take the powerful, perfect, divine creator that put everything together, the heavens and the earth, and we sometimes wonder, think about this, is God going to come through for me? I trust this and trust this and trust this. Good reason. It's seemingly been reliable. But why won't we trust other things? Don't we trust God more? What do you need to trust God for right now in your life? Jeff, I'm really up, and I've, I've got to make a decision, you know, with my business. I've got to make a decision concerning my education. There's a situation in my family. There's a conversation that I need to have with a friend. Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I need the wisdom of God in that, and I need to trust God. I need to trust that God's going to lead me. I need to trust that God's going to provide for me. I need to trust that God's not only going to point out the path, he's going to lead me on the path, and he's going to go a step ahead of me, and he's going to actually clear out the debris that would prevent me from experiencing what is God's best plan for my life. Now, it won't take me long to do this. I'll wrap up. But what I want to do in the remaining moments that we have together is give you three valid reasons as to why all of us can trust God fully. This God that created everything out of nothing, I'm telling you, can be fully trusted. And I'm going to give you three reasons why, and then we're going to wrap up. First of all, God has an incredible record in the matter of trust. God has a good resume in that regard. When you start looking at how many times, the resume of how many times God comes through for his people, all you've got to do is go back to Genesis and look, and then you follow Genesis through Revelation, and then just all the way up into the time, how that God is faithful. God's got a good record in terms of able to be trusted. Now, look at what Psalm 910 says. Psalm 9, the 10th verse of that Psalm, this is what it says, those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Look at that have never forsaken those who seek you. So why should you and I trust God? Because God is reliable. God is trustworthy. We can depend upon him. His record holds up in that regard. Secondly, because God is sovereign and powerful. You have never met anybody as sovereign and as powerful as God is. There's nothing, you, ought, you and I ought to find great hope in this. There's nothing that God cannot do. He's able to direct the circumstances in our life. God is ultimately in charge. Look at this Psalm. This is Psalm 56, verses three and four. This is what it says. When I am afraid, I will do what? What will I do? I will trust you. I praise God for his word. I trust God so that I am not afraid. What can human beings do to me? God is powerful. God is watching over me. You and I don't need to fear that. Here's a reality that I trust every one of you will possess, that you are held in the palm of God's hand and nothing can touch your life without it first having to come through God. That's where you're at. You're in the hand of God. You're a chosen child of a most high God. Nothing can impact your life without God permitting it to happen. And so God is powerful. You're not, you're not having somebody in charge of your life. It's, I'm not asking you to trust somebody that, that is weak and anemic and may or may not come through for you. God is sovereign and powerful. He's got a strong record in this regard. A third reason, be sure you get this now, that you and I can trust God full, fully is because he is constantly, lovingly watching over us to guide and protect us. Now, this is a psalm that I've held on to 
for a long, long time. This is Psalm 91 in verse 2. And I want us to all read this one together. Will you read it with me? Psalm 91 in verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And this is probably for me one of the first portions of the Bible that I became familiar with as a child. Now, my grandmother, who you've heard me talk about, my maternal grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, she was just a worry ward in every way. She, they invented the word hypochondriac f- just for her, all right? But there was something, although she was that way, there was something soothing about her presence. And one of the things that, that uh, she, she taught me, probably the first uh, passage of Scripture that I ever remember somebody pouring into my life was my grandmother because I was really afraid at nighttime. And I'll tell you why I think that may have been so. But I can remember times when my grandmother would take out her Bible and she'd say, all right, you know where we're going, don't you, Jeff? And I'm like, we're going to Psalm 91. And she said, yes. And she'd read through that Psalm. And just her presence as my grandmother, having her read that, being reminded, even though I was a really, really small child, just that reassurance, hey, God is my refuge. He's my fortress. I can trust God. I'm being protected by God. I'm being watched over by God. And, you know, now that I'm older, I look back and I I start wondering, well, why was I so afraid at nighttime? Why was I so afraid, you know, in the middle of the night? I can remember just times like uh, being so, so scared. And and I started thinking about it later, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me until later when I started because my dad and my mom hid this from me for the longest time, never really talked about it even as I got older. My, my dad worked at a business in Atlanta. That's where we grew up, of course. And so he worked at a business. And, and dad, when I was real small, like, uh, like kindergarten, first grade kind of age, uh, dad, dad was a victim of an armed robbery. And uh, the whole time that he's been robbed, um, he's told, you know, we're going to kill you. And that shook him up for a long, long time. And he hid that from us. But then looking back, Um, you know, we knew something had happened where dad worked, but we didn't know the ramifications of it. And then even at times, looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, there were times that our family, our family, not dad, he would stay at the house, but mom would gather us kids up and we would go over to an aunt and uncle's house. And I I didn't realize all I knew, hey, listen, when you're a kid and you're being woke up in the middle of the night, hey, get up, you know, we're we're leaving. And they'd get us up. And next thing I would know, uh, we'd be loaded up, mom, us kids loaded up in the car and head over to, to a relative's house. Now, I didn't realize it until I got older what was going on in the middle of the night. Those who had robbed my dad, armed robbery, had actually uh, been caught and had been charged with the offense. Everything was headed toward a court date. And so some way, somehow, um, the perpetrators of the crime had found out, you know, where we lived and our phone number. And there were times, and again, they weren't sitting us down and explaining this to us, but at times we would get calls in the middle of the night and the court date was approaching. And I didn't realize until I was more grown that what my dad would be told is, hey, you know the court date is approaching. You testify. We know where you are. We know your family. We know your kids. And we're, and we're threatened to kill us. And so mom would gather us up in the middle of the night. We just thought we were sleeping somewhere else. And then I start thinking back, and I just wonder, is is. Is that why? Was there just something in my, you know, five-year-old psyche, you know? How many of you think that's a possibility? In my five-year-old psyche, it was just like, oh, man, 
you know, something. I don't know what's going wrong, but something's going wrong. And so for the longest time, uh, whether it was that or whether it was just being a kid in general, I was so afraid of the night. And again, I can remember my grandmother opening up her Bible and reading through the psalm, Psalm 91. He is your refuge, Jeff. He's your fortress. You're going to be okay. He's the God in whom you can trust. You can depend on him. A writer has said this. This proverb tells us not to lean to our own ways of thinking. And when God says that, he's making the point that no no matter how smart we are, how many life experiences we have under our belt, we still need to realize that human judgment is always limited and sometimes wrong. Sometimes our best notions about what ought to be said or done are all ill-advised, dangerous, even destructive. When it comes to the key decisions in our lives, this writer says, we almost always need deeper insights and a broader perspective than mere human wisdom can offer us. What we desperately need is God's mind on the serious matters of life. He offers it to us through the teaching of his word and the inner guidance of his spirit. Our job is to not question it or to assume that we know better than God, but to trust that God knows better and how he knows how to make our lives work. A helpful spiritual rule of thumb, this writer says, might be when in doubt, always, always, always trust in the wisdom of God. Are we doing that? Are we trusting the wisdom of God? I want to quickly go back to verse 6 of Proverbs 3. Always let him lead you, and he will clear the road for you to follow. Now, I feel real strongly about this. And, you know, when I'm working on a talk for a service, I'm, I'm always saying, well, well, God, how does that apply to everybody? How does it apply to me? How does it apply to us in general? And then how do you want us to react to it? And, and I, I just had a couple of thoughts, and I really believe with all of my heart that these thoughts are from God, and I want to just give them to you before we're done here. First of all, I want to tell you one of the things that comes clear, I believe, out of this scripture about gaining wisdom and the guidance of God and the promise of God. I want every person in this room right now to be clear that, that this is a promise for Christians. Now, God wants it to be true for everybody, but if you happen to be a person, and it may very well be so, maybe you've never thought about it in a way that I'm explaining to you right now, and you just say, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And I, I'm not ready. And I just want to live my life. I want to do my own thing when I want to do it, how I want to do it. You know, I'm, I don't really need you in my life. Then, then the reality is God who wants to give you wisdom and counsel and direction, the God who wants to lead you, the God who wants to go and clear the path for you, Uh, reluctantly steps back and has to say to you, if that's the way that you want it, then you're on your own. And I just, as we're talking about wisdom, I don't think that's a very wise way that you want to live your life to just say, God, here's what I'm going to do. I don't really need you. I know that you created me. You created the heavens and the earth and all that. But, but God, here's the reality. I'm smart enough. I'm wise enough. I, I don't really need you in my life. If I've got to make a decision then uh, I feel I'm sharp enough to be able to make the decision all on my own. Well, friend, that's a, I've just got to tell you, that's a terrible way to live your life. 
you're going to need the wisdom of God. So my challenge to you today is simply this. Why would you not want to invite the God into your life that created you and wants to lead and wants to guide you? The God who is not trying to cramp your style as maybe you have previously thought, but the God who is wanting to give you direction, who wants to go before you and clear out things that could be so negative in your life had God not cleared them out. I cannot think, and it's not because I'm a Christian, because I haven't always been a Christian. Uh, I cannot think of a good reason to just say, well, well, I don't want that in my life. Thanks, God, but I'm just going to do my life on my own, and I'll figure it out as I go. You don't want to do that. Here's the other impression that I have from God concerning this morning. There are those of you, many of you, I believe, in this room, you've got to make a decision, and you need the wisdom of God. You've got to make a decision about uh, your business or you've got to make a decision about where you work or where you're going to go to school or you've got to make a decision about a friendship or you've got to make a decision about a relationship. Maybe you've got to make a major financial decision. Maybe you've got to make a decision as the, to, in regards to your health. They've laid out all the information and they said, all right, here are your options and you need the wisdom of God. I can't tell you the times in my life when I've come to a crossroads and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know to go left or right. I don't know to stand still or go forward. I don't know if the red light is green or yellow or red. And then I spend time in the scriptures and Sometimes God would just speak to me from the Scripture. It's like, all right, if I make a decision that is consistent with the teachings of the Bible, then that's going to be the right decision. If I go against the teachings of the Bible, then that's going to be a wrong decision. And then I do often what you and I don't do nearly enough. I don't do it enough. You probably don't do it nearly enough as well, and that is to get in those quiet places. And we turn down all the noise in our lives so that we can turn up God's volume and allow God to speak to us and give us wisdom. And see, God wants to do that. God wants to give you wisdom. God's not trying, you know, a lot of times we operate as those, God's trying to hide his will from us. God's not trying to hide his will from you. He wants to reveal it. But a lot of times when God is trying to get through, the line's too busy. Aren't you glad, by the way, that there's not, Busy signals too much anymore. Do you, you remember the days when you'd call and now call, it just gets right through. And, and, but you know what? A lot of times God still gets a busy signal because we just have so much going on. We don't take time to listen to him. Here's what I want you to do, and I feel strong about this. If you've got a, and I'm not going to ask you why, and you don't have to tell anybody why, but if you've got a decision that you need to make pretty soon in whatever area that it may be, I want you to stand up right now, wherever you're at, you just stand up, and I want to pray for you. This is how we're going to end the service. You've got to make a decision. I want you to stand up wherever you're at and just let me pray for you. Will you do it? Just stand. You've got to make a decision about something. And, and I know this is in my heart that God is wanting me to do this. Whatever it is, you stand up. Now, here's what I want some of you to do. I want you, if you see somebody standing near you, I want you to do this, since people are still standing. Go ahead. There's nothing, nothing wrong with having to make a decision. We're having to make decisions all the time. 
But if you've got to make a decision, stand. And now if you see somebody around you that is standing, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk. You don't have to say anything to them. Uh, you don't have to do anything. But just in a way of affirmation and support and encouragement, if you happen to be close by somebody, just get up from where you're at and walk over to, the, to them and just put your arm up on their shoulder. Will you just do that? Just put your arm up on their shoulder. Just walk up to them wherever they're at. And I want you to just stand right there with them. And that's what a family does. We're here together. And see, if I asked this question a month from now, there'd be a whole different group of people that would be standing because we're always going to be making decisions and we need the wisdom of God. And God said, I want to give it to you. So, Father, this is what I pray. I pray that you would give your people wisdom. You said, God, that if we lack wisdom, this is what your own brother said. If Jesus, your own brother said that if we lack wisdom, all we've got to do is ask and you will give it to us. And I just pray for every person here. I pray for them the way I do my own life, my own family, that you would just open up all the right doors in their life. God, would you just do that? Would you just open up all the right doors? Would you just clear the path, go before them, lead the way, show them the direction that you want them to take? And then I pray for them that you would slam shut all of the wrong doors, God, so that even if they wanted to go through them, they couldn't. They'd be prohibited from because you have blocked the way, God. I pray that you'd give them wisdom. And then when they feel from you what you want them to do, and when it's consistent with the scriptures, not a violation of your word, then God, give them the confidence and the faith to then move forward and to trust in you because you are a God that can be fully trusted. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody, can you say amen, all of us together? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together and give Jesus some praise. I'm so glad you came today. And here's what I encourage you to do this week. You trust God every step of the way. And if you have fear like I did when I was a little boy, just always remember this. God has not given to you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love you. Have an awesome holiday. God bless you, everybody.